Ruth chapter 2 is where we're going to find ourselves today. And uh, as we've entered into November, the month of of Thanksgiving, especially as uh, God's children, we should be thankful always, shouldn't we? Uh, We should, and I hope we know that, and I hope we know how God has blessed us. And uh, So we want to take just a moment, um, and I want to challenge you to do this every day, uh, whether it's on Facebook or whether it's around the dinner table with your family, but every day the rest of this month, would you take an opportunity to share with someone how God has blessed you? It might just be, God's blessed me with a good day. Uh, might be, you know, God's blessed me with a, a great family. Uh, your family needs to hear how much you love them and appreciate them. And uh, no matter how often you tell them, you probably don't say it enough. Probably most of us don't say it enough. Uh, but we want to collectively together uh, just maybe give a testimony of something you're thankful for that God has blessed you uh, over the last few days. Uh, maybe God's done uh, something. Does anybody want to go? This is open you're on the spot, and uh, now don't everybody speak at once. And if nobody speaks, I'm going to start calling on folks. So, David, that's a good one. Anybody else? Giving us more blessings than we absolutely deserve, and uh, good friends and good family. Uh, Leslie and I are thankful for our church uh, family. We love each one of you. Appreciate you. Anybody else? appreciate you sharing it. Do do that uh, this month and just take a minute and uh, you know you might do it on Facebook if you're on Facebook um, you might do it around the dinner you might just send a text uh, to somebody that you haven't talked to in a while and just just say hey you know I want to share uh, what I'm thankful for today and I think by doing that you'll realize just how blessed you are and how much God is working in your life Uh, As we talked about last week, sometimes we don't see God working. And sometimes we don't think He is. But in reality, He is always there. And the thing is, God knows exactly what we need, and He sends exactly what we need just when we need it. And I am thankful that God doesn't do it on my timetable and doesn't, you know, he, he does what he knows is best and brings it when it is uh, necessary. And boy, does he do that in Ruth chapter 2, as we're going to look at this chapter this morning. So let's dive in. Ruth chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. says, There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech, who was uh, Naomi's husband that had passed away. His name was Boaz. 
So Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. And then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And then, uh, and she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. And so she came, and she has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. And so she fell on her face and bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes? that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner. And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. And then she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me, and you have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread, and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. And so she sat beside the reapers, and he passed uh, parched grain to her, and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young man, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Also, let grain from the bundles fall uh, purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. And so she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And when she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and so she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back from what, when she had been satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where have you gleaned today, and where did you work? Blessed is be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law, with whom she had worked, and said, The man's name with whom I had worked today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. 
And Naomi said to her, this man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Ruth the Moabitess said, he also said to me, you shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all of my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women and that the people uh, do not meet you in any other field. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. And she dwelt uh, with her mother-in-law. What a wonderful story that happened a long, long time ago. Remember this uh, event takes place in the time of Judges, uh, which was pretty early in the history of Israel. Uh, after they'd come back from the promised land uh, and before uh, so, uh, Samuel uh, anointed Saul as king after the Lord relented and uh, listened to the people and let him have a king, uh, remember they had hammered and clamored and said, we want to be like everybody else. Well, they found out being like everybody else wasn't so great uh, and came with a lot of problems. And so... Uh, But we find here in this story, throughout all four of these chapters, but especially here in this chapter, uh, some important truths uh, and a reminder for us of how we as God's people are to be different and how we are blessed that we might be a blessing. And so what I want us to see as we talk about this chapter today is that God expects his people to extend grace. Jesus said this way in the gospel, he said, you have freely received, therefore freely give. And all of us have talked about different blessings that we have received and that we're thankful for uh, just a few minutes ago. I tell you that you haven't earned and you don't deserve any of those blessings, and yet God has given them to you. And the greatest blessing any of us can ever know is the grace and mercy of God. The fact that though we deserve to split hell wide open, because we have rejected God, we thumb our nose at God, and we prefer the things of this world, we prefer darkness, God still loves us, and in fact, He loves us so much, He pursues after us, even when we're running away from Him. That's grace. Perhaps you've heard uh, this little acronym of grace. I really like it. God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's a really good picture and a reminder of what Jesus did for us. And this story of the book of Ruth, not only does it give us a glimpse into the heritage or the lineage of the Messiah, as I mentioned just briefly last week, it reminds us of some important truths about how God works and how God extends His grace. And here's the thing, God doesn't just give grace to people that deserve it. And aren't you glad of that? Can I tell you, you better be? Because you don't deserve it. But God richly gives it to you. But then he says this, if I give it to you, you better share it. And you better extend grace to others. In fact, it was written into the way of life for the children of Israel way back as they were coming into the promised land. 
God said to Moses, he said, Moses, there's some rules that you're going to take down and the Israelites are going to abide by these rules. And one of the rules that definitely didn't make sense to other cultures was this, God told the Israelites in the book of Leviticus, do not plow your fields all the way to the edges. He said, if you're to leave the outer parts for the strangers and for the poor, that they might have some. God understood that people needed to be reminded of their responsibility to extend God's grace. And one practical way of doing that is extending grace by meeting physical needs. Now, from a human perspective, some of you own businesses. The motivation of most businesses is what? Profit, money. What's going to make me money? And definitely, your business needs to make money because you need a paycheck and those that work for you need a paycheck. But can I tell you that if the main thrust of your business is money, you're in trouble. And as a child of God, you're not doing it right. Yes, money's necessary. But here's a, a, a principle that God gives in His Word that doesn't make sense to Harvard Business School. But it makes sense in life. That when you give and when you serve others, it comes back to you. The Bible calls that the law of sowing and reaping. If you sow generosity. In other words, you give and you plant generosity and blessing. That's going to come back to you. So, so that, that even corporate America, though they wouldn't use the same language, they understand how important it is to be good corporate citizens, and so they give money away. To... to to help others, but listen, because the reality is what God, how God said, listen, it is not good for you to be consumed with stuff. Because when stuff consumes you, you're consumed with stuff that's going to lead to death. Paul gives us the instruction where to not be filled with and ruled by lust and by drunkenness, but we're to be filled and led by what? The Holy Spirit. By God. And so this old principle that God had given the Israelites, they're still following in, in Jesus' day. By the way, you know, uh, a month or two ago, it was cotton uh, season, you know, harvest, cotton harvest time, and, you know, I drove through the Delta where there's tons and tons of cotton fields. It fascinates me, and I took some pictures before the harvest, you know, because the cotton was out, and, the, you know, there's a scripture that says the fields are white to harvest, and what a beautiful picture that is, and you're going to see it in a sermon illustration soon. Um, 
And then I came back through a couple weeks later, and those same fields that were white were brown because the cotton wasn't there no more. There was some stock, but mostly it was just dirt because it, they'd come and they'd gotten the cotton. But several of the farms, you notice what I noticed? Several of them left a free row of the edges. Now, I don't know that it was, they may not be Christian or, you know, religious people, and that may not be the reason. They may have did it just because the dirt there was too soft and they couldn't get their combine uh, to the very edges. But I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. It struck me as a biblical lesson that God blesses us when we bless others. And when we live according to God's direction, God assures us we will be blessed. Now, we don't do it for those blessings. That's not our motivation. We don't tithe. We don't serve others. We don't give away. We don't do good things so that God gives us, you know, more jewels in our crown or so that we, you know, get the boat that we want. No, that's not our motivation. If it is, we're doing it for the wrong reason, and we're not going to find God's blessing. But when we give simply because God said that's what we're supposed to do, God says, oh, yeah, you gave some. Now watch what you're going to get in return. And probably all of us could stand and testify of times when God has met our needs, when we had this need, we didn't know where on earth it was going to come from, but just at the right time, it came through somehow. And how it came through was because God was working. Just like Naomi had come back without her two sons, they died just like her husband. And so they ended up, she was bitter, remember, and she thought God had forgotten her and that God had cursed her, and, and yet God was working. As we find and realize here, and Naomi realizes finally, you know what? Maybe God hasn't forgotten me after all. Maybe God is working. And so we need to understand that God expects his people to extend grace. And we're going to talk about three ways that God expects his people to extend grace to others. And the first is this. We're to extend grace by providing for others. We extend God's grace by providing for others. And I've already hammered that pretty uh, significantly. So we won't spend much time, but God expects you to look for opportunities to bless others. And can I tell you that if you're looking for them and you ask God to send them, he will. So maybe it's packing a shoebox this month. Maybe it's helping with this food drive, uh, passing out the bags uh, this morning or picking them up Saturday or making the boxes and delivering to families in need. Grace is found in providing for others. You see, the reason is because it reminds us that we are not the end-all and be-all. We are not the sufficient one. We're not the one in control. And that's why God told his people, he said, listen, your cotton, your corn, your barley, your wheat, Harvest it, but leave the outer ring. And in fact, Boaz saw her, uh, uh, Ruth, 
and it caught her eye. She was a good-looking young lady, but he also knew that she was not one of his workers. And so he asked his foreman, who is this lady that's out there following behind the reapers? He said, that's the lady that came with Naomi from Moab. He said, oh, yeah, because he was family. He kept tabs on uh, Naomi. We don't know exactly what relation they were, but it was some sort of close family uh, relationship. And so not only did he tell, allow Naomi to get that outer rose, he said, I want you to follow behind the reapers. And he told his reapers, he said, I want you to take some of that stuff that you've gathered up and I want you to drop it on the ground for Ruth to pick up. And so by the time, you know, she had a pretty good haul, an epoch, that doesn't mean anything to me. I said, what on earth is that? That, you know, I get blank stares, just like I'm getting from all of you. So let me tell you what it is, because I looked it up. It's five and a half gallons. I know what a gallon bag of, of, you know, corn or, you know, whatever it is. It's five and a half gallons of uh, you know, barley that she hauled out. And if you've seen barley grains, it's small. So it takes a lot of barley to make five and a half gallons. There, we extend grace by providing for others. But it reminds us that we're dependent on God. And I can tell you this, I found in my life, this church has found in its life, and probably you have found in your life, that when you give to others and you give back to God, you do much more with what you have left over than had you kept the 100% for yourself. Secondly, not only do we extend grace by providing for others, but secondly, we extend grace in participating with others. Understand the reality of this truth, friend. You cannot be the child of God that God intends for you to be alone. You cannot do it. You cannot be the man or the woman that God created you to be if you are not connected to a body of believers. You can't do it. God specifically designs you to need others. And one of the most gracious things you can do is find a stranger and invite them in and eat with them. Just like today, you most of the time don't eat and invite people that you don't know or that you don't like for dinner. Who do you have for dinner? Your friends, people you like, people that are pleasant to be around. People that are your family. Can I tell you, there is great grace when you welcome and you make others feel like they're a part of your family. And I tell you, there are strangers all around us that are lonely, 
that are hurting. And all they simply need is to have some friends. To let somebody know, hey, we're here for you. Perhaps there's no greater way to be the hands and feet of Jesus and making Jesus real than participating with others in bringing people into the family of God. So they had worked. It, man, they worked and worked and worked. And it came lunchtime. And Boaz said to Ruth, they're the only people that they would feed, were the workers and the family. And Boaz said to Ruth, Ruth, you come sit here by me. And you eat. And you have bread. And so she again says, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the fa- the word favor. That's what it means is grace. So it's not deserved. And it's not earned. It's just freely given. There was nothing that Ruth could give uh, back to Boaz, but Boaz gave to Ruth and Naomi. The reality is he really didn't have to do it. But I think God was working as we're going to see when we get, especially when we get to the end of the story, God was working. And he used Boaz and Ruth to change the course of human history. In a most unlikely of parents. But he provided and, and, and said, listen, come and participate. And, you know, don't just get the edges, but you follow behind these the, the other workers, and you reap with them. Get what you want. And it wasn't the getting what he wanted, it was that Boaz said to Ruth, you come be a part of my family, my team. And when you extend God's grace to others, what you're saying to them is, I love you and care about, why don't you come be a part of my family? Sometimes that's hard to do. Moabites, remember, were forbidden to enter the temple. The Israelites weren't supposed to have anything to do with them. And they knew who Ruth was. But you see, Ruth wasn't a Moabite anymore because she had come to know the God of Israel. She'd come to know Yahweh. And she wasn't a Moabitess anymore. Now she was an Israelite. Now she was somebody that belonged to their family because she had chosen. And friend, just like you, all of us are grafted in as wild olive branches, Paul uses as an illustration, into God's family tree. And when a tree when a branch is taken in, eventually you can't tell that branch is not original to that tree. 
because it's grafted, it's grown, and the bark covers the part that was grafted in. And you pull on, and it will be just as sturdy as any other branch of that tree. And so, friends, especially this time of year, may we as a church and may you as individuals look for opportunities to identify people that need to be part. You say, well, I don't have much, you don't need much money. You don't even need much food. You don't need much stuff. All you need is you. And that is the greatest gift sometimes that, and the only gift that people sometimes need. What a difference it makes when you, you can just belong. And friend, there's no greater place to belong than the family of God. And here's the thing. This is where I was going. I'm going to catch this rabbit real quick and move on. She was a Moabitess. She was of the wrong ethnicity. Boaz didn't care. He said, you come sit at my table. He said, you be part of my team. You get all the grain that you want. It doesn't matter what color somebody's skin is or what language they speak, whether they're rich or poor. God desires for them to be part of God's family. How dare we as a church ever exclude somebody from receiving God's grace because of the color of their skin or the language that they speak or what political affiliation they might have. Because God doesn't care if you're independent or Republican or Democrat. That ain't going to make any difference in the kingdom of heaven. What will make a difference is do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because there's not a Republican that died to save anyone, and there's not a Democrat that's died to save anyone. But there's a Savior whose name was Jesus Christ that died to save anyone that would call upon him. And we find him again. I'm ruining the, the punchline of the story, the ending, but I think we all know the story by now. Jesus descends from the lineage of Ruth. The Savior of the world comes from this Moabitess woman, the one who's ethnicity wasn't right and how dare the church of God ever exclude anybody because of the color of their skin or the language God's people listen and the reality is this there's one heaven and there's not going to be a black heaven and a white heaven and a Mexican heaven that's just the reality there's not going to be there's one and we're all going to have to live together forever and so we better practice it now. And so that's enough of that rabbit. I think I caught that rabbit and maybe made some rabbit stew. And then as we wrap up this morning, not only do we need to provide for others, not only do we find grace in participating with others, but lastly, there's grace in praising God with others. There's something about gathering together. There's something about, and we find that early on in this story is... Boaz comes into his family. What does he say? He said, the Lord bless you. And the people reply, and the Lord bless you. That's part of praising God. And you know what? We shouldn't just praise God on Sunday. 
There should be some praise going on in the Lord's house on Sunday. But can I tell you something? There's not praise going on Monday through Saturday. The praise on Sunday ain't going to be all that great. But when God is working and you're praising God Monday and Tuesday and even on Friday night and even on Saturday, when you come to church on Sunday, man, it's bubbling over. There's something about praising God. And we find grace in knowing that out of everything that God has, listen, He made everything, including you, but He didn't just make you. All the gold, all the platinum, all the cobalt that everybody's talking about for these crazy EV batteries. God made all of that. But do you know what he wants more than any cobalt and silver and gold and platinum? He wants you. Ain't that ridiculous? To God, you and every other human being is worth more than all the platinum and all the cobalt and all the gold and all the silver and all the mines in all the world. And you know what he says that he loves? He loves the praises of his people. The Bible says God inhabits the praise of his people. God loves to hear you sing, even me, and even those of us that can't carry a tune in a bucket. God loves to hear you sing. You know, some of our young people, when I hear them singing out, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes our young people out sing the adults, and the adults outnumber the kids, but I hear the kids a lot of times more than I hear the adults. And it warms my heart, and it does my heart good. But can I tell you something? It thrills the heart of God. And how dare we keep quiet? And in fact, the Bible says this. It says if people won't give praise, the rocks will cry out. The glory of God. You were made to praise. You were made to extend grace to others. You find favor in the blessings of God by taking those blessings that God has given to you and sharing them with others. And I pray that God will help us to learn that important lesson, that we would never say man like Naomi did. Naomi said, man, don't call me blessed, for I am bitter. I'm sad because God has dealt very harshly with me. God's taken everything from me. It wasn't God, I don't think, that took her husband and her sons. It was just a consequence of living in a fallen world. Death entered the world and things died. doesn't mean that God caused it. But God was going to work through those tragedies and God was going to bring redemption in an amazing way, an amazing story to this woman that thought God has left her and dealt so harshly. May we never make that mistake. May we realize that God has blessed us. We are blessed. You may not have a nickel to your name, but you're still blessed. You may have all your problem lists may be this tall, 
that you're still blessed. If God is the Lord of your life. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. God, thank you for the redeeming power of your word. For this reminder in the story of Ruth that you take somebody that would not be expected to be in the lineage of a Messiah, but you put her smack dab in the middle. And it's through Boaz and Ruth that's going to lead to the birth of David that will eventually lead to the birth of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, that didn't happen by accident. It happened because of your grand plan. It happened because of your grace. Lord, help us to be purveyors, extenders of your grace. God, send people across our path. Give us divine appointments that we might be able to share your grace with others. Lord, we have a very loving church family here, and there's lots of room for that family to grow. May we extend a welcoming arm to not only this church, but more importantly, the church of God. To those we come into contact with. Lord, help us to be your hands and feet, we pray, in this dark world. Help us to share your grace with others. Let's stand together. Let's sing this hymn of invitation. If God spoke to your heart and there's a decision you need to make today, it would be a great day. This would be a great time for you to make that choice.